Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Munster Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com, here with football analyst William Gardner. William, you've got a little time off from work to coincide with the Buffalo Spring Break. It looks like. Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's been a while since I had a significant time off, so uh, I, I I didn't plan it to be on everybody's spring break, but it worked out to be a uh, a happy coincidence because uh, mo- most of the courtrooms are closed too. So it just worked out well. Are the courtrooms going to, going to pick up steam after spring break though? Is that the prediction? Oh yeah. Well, you know, there's always a, there's always a cost, you know, when uh, I don't know, it, it all stays pretty much the same. So we will be fine. I think. Today we're going to do a spring game mock draft based on Colorado's spring football roster. Hopefully the injury bug stays away from the buffs the next few weeks so we can, in fact, do a real spring game draft and split the team up for April 22nd. That would add some entertainment value to the game. Although, uh, William, I don't think with Coach Prime at the helm, entertainment value is going to be much of an issue here. There's a reason that CU is the only college football program in the country that's got their spring game televised by ESPN. Yeah, it, it, it's nuts. Uh, you know, like even, there is no really any downtime anymore. You know, like there used to be like uh, downtime a few weeks before spring ball or whatever. But when, when you got Deion Sanders around, there's no dead time. There, there's always something happening or going on or controversial or whatever. Um, and it, that's kind of fun. Do you have your spring game tickets secured? Oh, yeah. Ready to roll. Nice. nice. Yeah, just was thinking about I'm going to have to maybe get a, invest in a new digital camera and get some good photos up there. But uh, as we were talking about before we started, um, it's going to be a different experience to go up in spring and not be the only person in the stadium. <laughs> yeah, I think as I responded to Brian Howell when he put out the tweet of the the latest ticket sales for the spring game, I read that and I just kind of sat back in my work chair and and I laughed because it's like, had you told me that Colorado was selling out their spring game back right. in October? I mean, I, clearly I would have known who the head coach is going to be, right? I don't yeah. think that would have been a question, but I felt like I was in, in an alternate universe. I'm I'm going back watching Stranger Things with with one of our kids, and yeah they've got this portal into a different dimension right. i feel like we somehow snuck into it well it's the craziest thing i've ever seen i was just talking with somebody about the bill mccartney bill mccartney days um just this morning and it was a different you know it, it took him years it took him two three years to, to even get back to a winning thing because you just couldn't make the kind of change that you can now and Deion Sanders has been a, a a household name since those days, frankly, since since the mid '80s, and has 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 become larger than life and one of those guys. And I don't think anybody else could have could have done this for CU football. It's, it's just really kind of surreal. Today's episode of Buff Stampede Radio is brought to us by Macaulay Capital Fractional CFO Services. If you're running a successful small to medium sized business. You have an impressive set of skills, but as your company grows, you face new and different challenges. When you eclipse $3 million in revenue, you likely have a whole new set of financial challenges. Are you looking for financial guidance and support, but don't have the resources to hire a full-time CFO? Well, we have a solution for you. Hire a fractional CFO from Macaulay Capital. 
A fractional CFO can work with businesses on a part-time basis, providing the same expertise as a full-time CFO at a fraction of the cost. You get the benefit of having a seasoned financial expert on your team without the commitment or expense of a full-time hire. They love to help your business thrive by improving its profitability and eliminating your financial headaches. Get a long-term partner you can trust to help craft your financial strategy, understand the profitability of each client, help manage your cash smartly so you can take advantage of rising interest rates and more. It's likely that a partnership with Macaulay Capital will be a win-win situation, meaning that your business will make more money from the guidance of a fractional CFO than the total cost of partnering with Macaulay Capital. For more information or to set up a meeting, visit MacaulayCapital.com or email CFO at MacaulayCapital.com. That's M-C-C-A-U-L-E-Y Capital.com. Let's have some fun with this. Let's jump into yeah. the 2023 Colorado Spring Football mock draft. Yeah. William, do you want to be drafting for the gold or the black squad? Do you, do you have a preference there? Well, I got to be the black team. We know that. You know, the other thing I was the other thing I was well, thinking. Why, is, why do we know that? I wanted the well, black team. I'm, I'm from the McCarty days, man. We, we okay. went back to black. We, when right. we were light, the light blue and the gold and the silver and all that sort of stuff. And he put us back in black jerseys. I still remember that, that game. And uh, so I got to take the black team, but I was thinking about that spring, spring game too, about uh, all that, all those ticket sales, you know, that's not a bad, bad little payday for the athletic no. department. Unexpected, yeah, not even they're going to do, anymore. they're going to do parking. Think about con- concessions. Yeah. This is going to be not close to a regular game day because of the ticket, you know, prices, but uh, it's going to be, yeah, anything unlike, uh, you know, an added boost that they've ever had for a spring game. So that's awesome. Right. Like a half a million unbudgeted dollars, you know, is going to come in. That's, that's pretty exciting, really. William, there is a clear number one player, I believe, on both of our boards. So in that vein, let's do a coin toss. And then whoever wins the coin toss, can have the first pick and the fourth pick and then alternating picks from there. Or you can defer kind of like you can do at the beginning of a game with the the coin toss. And if you defer, you'll get the second and third picks and alternating picks from there. And since Travis Hunter is focusing on receiver this spring, we're going to put him in there at receiver instead of cornerback. Does that sound good? Yeah, I was I was gonna ask you how you plan to get around the unfairness of having Charlie Offered all on one team and not on the other. That that's who you're talking about, right? I've I've got no, I don't have Charlie Offered all on my board. Never mind. I thought I did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have Charlie Offered all on my board, William, but I do have him in spirit. That that was one of the the coolest videos I've seen. Yeah, since Chris Prime's been here. You know, I, I know you don't mean to pick at him, but like, right? You you don't have a heart if you can't watch that video and feel something, right? All my years in football, I love guys like Charlie Offered. All you know, I just loved all. That's why I love college football because you're not going to get that in the NFL. But you know, he's just a guy who's giving it everything he can, you know, and just says, "I'm not going to be just overlooked." So uh, that that was a very special. A uh, little video out of a lot of special videos in the last couple of months that that one really touched me. And yet we have, I believe, a nickname from Coach Prime that Charlie Offerdahl 
is quote the porn star. <laughs> well, it seems pretty obvious, right? Now you got to do something yep. about that mustache. <laughs> All right, let's jump into this draft, and uh, I'm going to let you call it. Do you want heads or tails going into this coin toss? I'll take heads. It's tails. Okay. See the proof there on yep, your Zoom screen? Yeah, I okay. trust you. So now I have to decide if I want the first pick or the second and third pick. And as clear cut as I thought this decision was going to be, as I built out my draft board, it's really not that definitive. I am. No, I'm going to take Shador Sanders. I'm going to go with the number one pick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, you dog. So good luck with that, William. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, it it sort of it sort of speaks to the uh, kind of a unique situation with first of all how talented he is, but also how dependent we are on him staying healthy and and uh, living up to his expectations, which certainly. so far in the first four practices, he certainly looked like everything that I expected. You know, I mean, I watched him at, at Jackson State as well, but um, he sure looks good out there and he sure has a commanding presence. It's impressive to me that Deion Sanders has this persona, this public life. His kids are part of that and they don't shy away from it. They lean into it. And if anything, they're at the forefront of kind of I mean, they're Kardashians-esque from a sports standpoint. And yet Shador has an incredible head on his shoulders yeah, and is hardworking and a good teammate and clearly not a bad seed. Yeah. Of all the aspects of this program that I've been impressed with in recent weeks, just Shador Sanders and, and who he is and what he stands for and how he operates has been pretty high on that list. Yeah, and I, I think it speaks to something that a lot of people did not know about Deion Sanders, which is that he, you know, there's a he he's like he's like a in, in a sense like a, a wrestler, right? There's a persona, and then there's the actual person. And his persona is brash and in your face and everything else. But when you actually watch the the guy himself, Deion Sanders, he's a very deep and thoughtful guy. And he's, you know, watching him out there in those practices, those first four practices, he's as serious as a heart attack. He's not just some clown out there, you know, letting his coaches run the show. You know, he is right there. He's in people's faces, calling people out when they're not doing right, um, holding his coaches responsible. So it's not surprising to me that his kids have that as well. And I, you know, you got to wonder what it's like to grow up as the son if you're going to be a, f- a football player and you are the son of one of the great football players of all time, right? There's a certain amount of responsibility. You got to live up to that to some extent, you know? So um, it's not too surprising to me that, that his kids and I include his daughter in this too, that they're, they're all yeah, pretty totally. well-rounded people. Well, you got the second and third pick here, William. Well, I think the obvious number two is going to be Travis Hunter. So I'm going to pick him. Even though I, even though I'm not allowed to use them on both sides of the ball, that's a good pick. It's and crazy then, that uh, he might play more snaps at cornerback, and yet he's so gifted at that position that he can spend all of spring ball on right. the other side of the right. ball, right? Well, yeah, I think you know cornerback's one of those positions where you, where if you've got the the talent and the instincts for it, that you can just play it. 
Whereas to be really good at receiver, there's a lot of little little nuances that you got to pick up to separate yourself um, from from great defensive backs. So we're lucky to have him out there. And quite frankly, it gives some other guys some reps that they probably need more than he needs at cornerback. All right, you have the third pick now. Since I took Shador first, where are you going with the third pick? Well, this one's a lot harder, quite frankly, because now there's a couple now, good guys there, huh? Yeah, now you start looking at guys and how you want to use them and and trying to f- imagine what you will do. I think what helped me here is Travis as a, as a wide receiver. I am going to go just ever so slightly different, and I'm going to take Sadu Traore at tight end. Good pick there. Yeah, we haven't seen him take the top off in these first four spring practices, but he sure looks the part, and he has the production of, 50 receptions at Arkansas State last year. And by all accounts, he's going to be a huge part of this offense. And there is a clear drop-off at, at tight end from Sadush Treor. And uh, I've actually – I'm going to surprise you with my tight end pick. I'm going to wait way back in the draft. But okay. we talked in a video, William, that we put up on buffstampede.com about Treor. And I think we both agreed, if if memory serves, that he's going to be their best tight end since Daniel Graham back in two thousand and one. Are you sticking with that? Yeah, absolutely. And he and he's more of a Daniel Graham type of guy. Although Daniel Graham was a was an excellent blocker as well. Um, I'd like to see uh, Traore put on a little more size, but I think he's a guy. Given the way this offense functions and the wealth of riches we're going to have a wide receiver, um, we have other guys to take the top off the defense which gives him running room underneath that, quite frankly. Yeah. So I think we've got some guys who can really challenge a defense vertically. And if they decide to run with those guys, then they're going to put Sadu with, with some linebacker who's not able to cover. So there's uh, – and, and, I, and I am thrilled to have a very skilled offensive tactician calling the plays in Sean Lewis. So that, that I think not only can he use guys in the right places, but he can also use them to uh, attack defenses when they try to cover certain things. All right. With the fourth pick, no hesitation here. I'm not going to use up my draft countdown clock and I'm going to take Jimmy Horn jr. As my first receiver, because uh, as we talked about before spring ball even started, it just looks different with him. And the media had a chance to go win for the third spring practice. And holy moly, he almost made the most impressive yeah. grab that I've ever seen in all my time on this beat. And I don't know what his stats are going to be this year, but I know it's going to be fun to watch him out there on yeah. Folsom Field. Well, you, you, you put up the article I wrote for you with my 10 takeaways from spring. And I think I, if I remember correctly, I think I had Jimmy Horn as number three, just that he is going to do real harm to defenses out there. Um, and in, you know, when you put him in conjunction, if you line him up opposite Travis Hunter, what are they going to do? <laughs> you know, they're going to get burned a lot because here's a guy, you know, his, his speed along with Dylan Edwards is, is really a weapon. And you, and if you run him deep, even if you don't get him the ball, they have to respect it. Um, but then his receiving skills and ball skills and body control are, are really just the elite, you know, and that that's not even taken into account. Some of the guys are going to show up this summer. So, uh, yeah, he, he was the one that I was sort of torn. And, you know, I ended up taking Sadu because, you know, I get to use Travis at wide receiver. So I get to go in a little different direction there. 
just before we get into the fifth pick, I want to share a feeling that I had while watching that third spring practice. And I saw Jimmy Horn and Travis Hunter, and you mentioned Dylan Edwards and his speed. It just popped in my head that this must have been what it felt like back when Oregon, late and Chip Kelly had this type of speed out there. Now, I'm not trying to get expectations all out of whack, but based on what I've seen in recent Colorado practices, it just was a, a quick feeling of this is different and this is probably like an everyday thing back in Oregon's heyday in terms of the speed they had on offense. Well, and also it reminds me, and again, we're not close to it yet, but uh, the late 80s and, and early 90s at CU too, because you had guys like J.J. Flanagan who could just flat just flat out fly, you know, and at one year you had um, Michael Westbrook and, and Charles Johnson, both the wide receiver, and Ray Carruth couldn't get on the field. And um, although that you just, and then the defensive backs were, were, were just as fast as they were and you go out to practice and, and it was just kind of phenomenal sometimes to just watch what those yeah. athletes can do. You are up. I, I'm kind of wondering, you said you had a clear top six and I'm wondering if we got the same six. So I'm going to, um, flip things over and, um, go with our most proven in terms of actual playing time pass rusher on this team and pick Jordan Dominic. That is who I would have picked if you did not. And uh, yeah, go a little bit more in depth on your pick there. I, I think he's clearly the best pass rush prospect on the board here. Yeah. I think he, uh, he uh, showed definitively in two different conferences, frankly, the ACC at Georgia tech and in the sec at Arkansas um, that he can rush the passer and do it very well. You know, he was tied for third in the SEC. I think it was seven and a half or seven, seven and a half sacks, I think. And uh, that makes you wonder. Obviously, I didn't watch a lot of Arkansas film, but that makes you wonder how close he got a lot of other times, right? Because sometimes getting close in pass rushing is just as good as as getting the actual sack. Um, and, you know, plus it forces the defense, the offense to have to account for you. Now, I did get to see a couple of, of his reps against um, – um, save you on Washington. And I guess that we're, we're just sort of segue there. And, and, you know, one of the worries about Savion was, would he be able to handle this kind of speed coming from Kent state? Well, he looked pretty darn good against Jordan Dominic um, in those two reps that I watched. Uh, certainly didn't have a problem with his speed with, the, with, with, with Jordan's speed. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they all do against each other in more game-like condition. Cause Really, one-on-one -on -one pass rush, I've always thought as either an O-line or a D-line coach is not really realistic. I'm going to go at number six overall, third off the board for me, Bonta Bentley. And this is kind of the end of where I thought the clear cut was. Yeah, that, that was my number six. That's my top six as well. He is somebody that looks the parts, made plays, kind of like you were mentioning with Jordan Dominic, made plays at a big level in the ACC. and. When I was out at that third practice and they were fitting run gaps, like he just he he looks like an experienced guy. He is how it's supposed to look. Yeah, I like, yeah. I like what they got out of some of their linebackers last year, but there just wasn't yeah. cohesiveness. And I saw Vonta Bentley bringing guys with him, and and it's very clearly still you know a work in progress defensively, offensively, all phases at this point. But he was a guy that I can see being a leader because the urgency, the clock is ticking with him. And, and you can see that in his body language. Well, and that's what I was going to say too, is that he, he, 
uh, is very clearly one of the leaders in this group. And you've seen that during the early workouts, but he also comes from a championship level program, you know, where, uh, to, to be in the playoffs is expected. And like the last couple of years is kind of a, is, is down for them. And so he, he knows what it's like, the, the level of work and, and, you know, how you got to compete to uh, try to get on the field. And he brings that as well as his playing ability. So I think he, he, and then, um, you know, Kennedy coming in this, this summer can really shore up that inside linebacker and, and give some of those younger guys some time to develop. All right. You are up now with your fourth pick seventh overall now it gets a little bit harder and so i'm going to go ahead and shore up my or pick my left tackle uh with jared lichtenhan who okay. i think is uh showing this spring why i had so much faith in him granted again only four practices in um but you know he he really showed something as the season wound down last year and you know quite frankly I, I would say also as well, watch a guy playing hard and doing well on a team that bad. They're not playing for anything, right? It's just pride. Um, and he showed me enough to, to with him and Casey Roddick being somewhat dominant on that left side. And then to watch him uh, in that last practice last week, um, uh, Coach Prime had him line up and, and uh, I think it was like a, a third and three. Uh, for each first team, second team, and third team. And on that first team, they're watching from the end zone, which is the best place to watch offensive linemen. And Jared Lichtenhan's footwork and handwork where he sealed out that outside linebacker was just gorgeous. And it was it was very clearly Bill O'Boyle's technique um, from that video that I posted on the board. Uh, so he has improved even in just you know, a couple of months of, of workouts and, and uh, four practices. And I think he's really going to be one of the top left tackles in the conference. That's the first real feel good pick of the, of this draft here. A former buff getting picked seventh overall. I like it. I'm going to go with another former buff here with my fourth pick. And I'm going to take Montana Lamonius Craig. This is partly because, well, I'm going to be honest. This is mostly because there's a position here that doesn't have a whole lot of depth for this spring game draft. There's going to have a whole lot more depth when they get ready for a preseason camp, but there's going to be a little bit of turnover at that receiver position. And I, I need to get this position shored up a little bit quicker than some others. And Montana Lamonius Craig has a great personality. He's shown a knack for making the really tough catch early on in his career at Colorado. Consistency, still a question with him. How much is he going to actually be on the field when Xavier Weaver and some of these other guys get on campus? But for spring ball, this is his time well, to shine. And you see him down in Miami working out with Shador Sanders during that, spring that, break. That's where I was going to go. And and it's not an accident. You know, it's not an accident that he's down there with Shadur. Somebody said on the on the board, game recognizes game. And, you know, even way back in the prehistory when I was around, you know, you know, guys didn't hang out with guys that couldn't play. And Montana Lamonius Craig is a big guy for for that position, and with really uh, superb um, athletic skills. You know, he's not he's not Jimmy Horn fast, um, but he's certainly a guy with great body control and ball skills. So uh, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people and do more than people think, even even with some of those incoming guys in the summer. There's no cheering in the press box, but if Montana Lamonius Craig catches. Another game-winning touchdown. I'm going to be tested on that because yeah. I, I want to see that moment for him. 
Well, that, I don't know why that made me think of it, but uh, um, one year after I was done playing, I worked for the athletic department. One of the things I did was I monitored the, the north door into the press box. And uh, the year, uh, what was it, that, that, that 1989, I think, we're playing Nebraska uh, in the last game of the season, both teams undefeated. And uh, I remember, um, who was it? It was uh, um, the Jerry Creek coach now. Uh, uh, Dave Logan? First- Dave Logan and and uh, two of the other guys, Norm, I can't remember his name, but the three of them got thrown out because they're like, screw it, I got to cheer for this. They like, they, they're like, do we mind if you stand here with you? I'm like, yeah, more, more, more is better. <laughs> so <laughs> you might you might find yourself out on the stairways after the Nebraska game back in 2019. Tyler McCulloch, do you remember him? Big receiver. Yeah. yeah. He almost tackled me as he's rushing the field and just kind of. I let myself into that moment for, I don't know, 10 seconds just to be part of it. And then I got up and went up to the press conference, but no, I wish I could do that more often, but you you gotta, you gotta keep it a a professional standard here, (laughs) but all right, back to you. What what do you have with your next pick here? Well, I'm got, this is not going to be an exciting pick, but I got to take the guy who I think may be one of the best players on the team. And that's Tyler Brown at offensive line. I love that. That was going to be my next pick. Yeah, and I, I think I, I, I just really don't think people understand quite what this guy is just yet. And he really, really reminds me of Andre Giroud and Chris Nioli in terms of his his build, uh, his work ethic and the way he plays the game. And I think he's going to be one of those guys uh, who really um, dominates this conference um, and, and watching him and uh, uh, Tank worked together in those practices last week was really very exciting because one of the things about the offensive line is to get that chemistry down. And on that long touchdown run, I think it was by Hankerson, um, you know, they just were lockstep. I mean, he, uh, you know, um, Brown just sealed off the inside. It was like, it almost like he was so darn big. It's like somebody put a wall there and, and, and then tank just blocked off the other side. I, people say, Oh, you know, you're, these guys shouldn't be able to be scorching the defense. I could have scorched the defense through that hole carrying you on my back. <laughs> so I'm very excited about Tyler Brown. Um, and I think everybody else ought to be as well. William, I think Tyler Brown's going to play 10 years in the NFL. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, it's hard to say for sure, but the, short sample size that we have of everything that he does. And it's not just his social media presence. It's stuff I've heard behind the scenes from other guys on the team that this is, you like to say, this guy is the real deal. I think Tyler Brown is the newcomer that, that you really look in the trenches and just say that this is, this is the real deal right there. Well, you know, and he's a guy that every time you every time you see the videos of the workouts, he's soaked in sweat, and you know he he knows he's going to start, and yet he works harder than anybody I've seen out there. Um, watching him on those one on one tug of wars where they put the little harness on, but he was dragging dudes, and they're not little guys; they're guys his size. I mean, he, I, I get a little giddy watching him because he he's the kind of offensive lineman we had back when we were great. All right, up next, I can't let you have a monopoly here on the offensive line. So I got to take my center. I'm going to go Van Wells, that Van Wells to Shadour Sanders connection. That is uh, making me feel pretty good early on about my squad. 
Yeah. And I think, I think, uh, I, I love Van and I, and I love the, the, I, like I post, like I wrote in that, um, uh, takes from the first week, that first offensive line looks pretty good. Um, you know, and they're, they've only, they've been only limited full contact so far and we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. But man, that group looks pretty special because you got really good chemistry between your guards and tackles on both sides. And then you got a really nice, really intelligent center in the middle kind of calling out the signals and, and tying it all together. And, you know, if you remember back in 2017, the only guy we lost was our center and, you know, we, that offensive line never got together because they didn't have the right center and we yeah. got that guy and, and he's young and he's just going to get better and better. And um, the more I watch him play, the more I think of, of, um, Oh, a uh, Dan Munyer, you know, from back in the, uh, uh, about 10 years ago or so who I, I, last I checked, I think he's still in the NFL, but roughly the same size and just really a technician. Um, and Van Well strikes me that way as well. So three of our top, what is that? 10 picks are returning guys. That's cool. Yeah. Three linemen in there too. So yeah. All right. Back to you. Starting to get a little tough. I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to go, on the other side of the ball and nailed down the middle of my defensive line with another returner and Jalen Sammy, because I think Jalen's got all the skills and the, and the body to, to get it done. And um, I'm really hoping that Sal Sanceri is the guy who can uh, bring all that out. I'll tell you this, if, if, if Jalen Sammy ever hits, you know, everything, all of his ability and puts it all together, he'll be an NFL player. Um, cause he's got it all there. Uh, he just got to put it together. And the other thing he needs is play consistently on every down, but he could be a force in the middle. Um, and I've seen him, you know, push around really good, uh, interior offensive lineman in the pack 12. So I think he's a guy, uh, who could really be a difference maker, um, for us. And I'm, and, you know, there was a lot of, I, I, I didn't know if he was coming back, quite frankly, for a long time. He was the one that, that asked the question in that first press conference with Prime about are we going to get the strength coaches back and such like that. But he appears to have bought in and seems to be doing well. Well, I think if, if you're in that situation and you're asking questions, that means that you have the ability to invest in this new staff, right? Right. Right. And if you don't give a damn, they, they, don't, they don't know right. Coach Prime like Mike McIntyre, Carl Durrell would have handled right much differently and they're used to that that's those are the right. guys that coached Jalen Sami before so he's used to being coached with kid gloves but <laughs> for him to kind of hear this getting jump in the portal and Jalen Sami's back for spring ball and he's ready to roll that that's a good sign and he's an, he's another guy that suffered I think in the last two years from bad coaching that Chris Wilson by all accounts that I've heard was really not pulling his weight on the defensive line. And so, you know, then we had some other younger guys and, and I'm really hoping that if I, I wonder, I'll always wonder like a Jalen Sammy, if he'd have had a South on Siri for four years, what would he be right now? And we'll see what happens. I hope that Sal brings out everything in him. I, I which takes me on a little bit of a tangent. I love watching South and Siri coach because I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this, but he's a crusty old bastard. He's he he is just a mean <laughs> kind of old school coach. But all of his former players love the guy, so I think there's got to be more to it than just that gruff exterior. I'm going to stick on the nostalgia train here. I've got three guys that are pretty much tied for this spot, but like I said, 
we're going to go with uh, our hearts on this pick. And also uh, a position that with Travis Hunter at corner, or I'm sorry, Travis Hunter at receiver, and uh, some guys yet to really fully join the mixer. I'm going to go Nico Reed at cornerback. Nice. I like that. Another guy that sticking in that same vein of a guy that heard the the speech of jump in the portal and he's back and he Nico Reed would have had a lot of options in the transfer portal. There's no question yeah. about that. Yeah, so for sure. another guy, if you're a CU fan, you really want to to rise. And if Travis Hunter's playing a ton of receiver this fall, you got Cormani McLean and Nico Reed. I'd feel pretty good about that combo as well. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, some guys are getting a bad rap on the on the board for no other reason than that they were here last year. And that's not fair because even bad, you know, um, I may have my years wrong, but I, I remember uh, I believe the season we went one and ten in McCartney's second or third year. or Maybe it was, you know, two two win season before that. But, you know, Victor Scott got picked in the first round as a cornerback. Doesn't mean that everybody on the team is no good just because the team is not good. And I think some people are a little bit unfair with that um, and and sort of give these guys a bad rap because they were here last year. But I think Nico Reed is going to show that he belongs at this level um, and, can, and can play and, quite frankly, gives, uh, you know, gives us the opportunity to play Travis Hunter more on offense. You're only as good as your weakest link, especially on defense. And uh, the weakest link – on only a handful of times all of throughout last season was the cornerbacks. And that was Nico Reed and that was Kalen Moore. Kalen Moore transfers to Cal. He's going to have a really, really nice career at Cal. He's a good cornerback. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was not the issue on defense last year. No, and, and, and it's even harder when there's no pass rush and there was no pass rush you know, to be a good defensive back. So uh, I think you have to give some of those guys more credit than, um, uh, a lot of guys are getting so far. All right, back to you. Okay. Well, I better start shoring up that defensive backfield too. The question is, is who who do I think is a little bit better in which position? Um, but I, I think I'm going to start with with Miles Slusher at safety. Slusher at safety. Okay. The word out of Arkansas is that he's got NFL potential. He's definitely got a lot of confidence in himself. And he was high on my board as well. What are your expectations for him? Is it to to be the number one starter there at safety? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I I kind of feel like uh, not. I I really, frankly, kind of expect a little bit more than that um, to, for him to be a difference maker. You know, not just a guy that wins a starting position, but also to come out and actually make things happen, and you know, challenge maybe for uh, some all conference list by the end of the season and what have you and and really be a playmaker a guy like that you know it, it's not it's no mistake that in the last time we had a really good season 2016 we were solid at both safety spots and it makes a big difference my next pick i'm going to go to the offensive line and take savion washington i mentioned on my dnvr podcast appearance that my first impression as i walked into the open practice was Savion Washington walking by me and I was it was just a slap across the face of yeah. this is a different era because yeah I mentioned again on that podcast that Jared Christian Lichtenham you go out to practice he would stand out Christian Lichtenham is just kind of hanging out with those guys now and is part of the crew Savion Washington Jack Wilty is not as tall Tyler Brown is not as tall but those guys are massive human beings 
Yeah, and, and it's funny. It's always been interesting to me how you get guys that are all listed the same size, and some of them are a lot bigger. Yeah. When you, so, and I'll tell I'll tell a story about that way back in the day, um, in that mid '80s or something. We used to have they used to have the spring game. Sometimes it was a varsity alumni game, but I think back at the year I'm thinking of, we had Mark Vanderpool who was like six eight, three three hundred or so, and um, you know we started bringing some really big guys. And I'm walking through the locker room. Um, I'm back in there for something on the day of the spring game. And, and I come around a corner and I run into this, just smack into this wall and, and I'm eye level to this dude's chest. And I'm like, and I look up and it's Stan Brock, who was a starting offensive tackle for the new Orleans saints. And, you know, at, re- at that point, fairly recently played a CU and he was the biggest, he was the biggest damn human being I had ever seen in my life. Uh, you know, and, and that's including all the big dudes that were on the team at that point. And he's roughly, the, you know, listed the same size as those guys, but he was so much bigger. It, it was crazy. So it, it is funny how uh, they can be listed the same size. But uh, I think we're, we, we might have the biggest pair of tackles in the country this year. All right. Back to you. I'm going to keep filling out my offensive line and take Jack Wilty. I'm going to run the ball one way or the other. He's another guy that is really looking as good or better than I had hoped and expected. Kudos to you for uh, reporting to us that the size of his ass, which is very important in an offensive lineman. Thank you very much. If they're not, I always said, if they're not wide across the backside, they don't have the power to do this thing. And, um, you know, with, with, when you look at that offensive line right now, that first line with Lichtenhan and, and Brown and Wilty and Washington, those dudes are massive. You know, that's a word that gets overused, but I, I hope people get down close to the field and see these four guys to see what massive really looks like because they're just ridiculously large human beings. And I think Wilty is a guy that I've been impressed with ever since he committed. I really liked his film when he was playing tackle and uh, felt like that he was a guy that played with the sort of physicality and nastiness um, that would make an excellent guard. And so far, it's working out really well. I'm going to go to the defensive line and take Shane Cox, a transfer from Dartmouth that uh, has made a strong impression early on in his time at Colorado and is a guy that has been day-to-day practicing at different positions on that defensive line. is going to be a versatile piece for them. And uh, another position where I don't know if there's quite as much depth as there is some other spots this spring. I think that's another place they're going to have to look to the transfer portal in the spring window. But for now, if I'm going to take a a defensive lineman, I'm going to go with with Cokes. And now I think I I just overlooked him. I was going to pick him earlier and I just forgot. So I think that's an excellent pick. And I also think uh, he's the kind of guy – who is a difference maker on the defensive line. I, I, you know, as I said in that article this week, we still need more people up front yeah. on the defense. We, it, one thing is very clear to me in the first four practices, we are not there yet in the front seven, but he certainly is. I have no reservation about Shane Cokes. He's certainly, he's mature and he's got the work ethic and he's got that, you know, he's, he's got that uh, older guy, desperation, I guess, for lack of a better word. And he's also got a chip on his shoulder 
because um, he's a little bit smaller. He comes from a lower level at Dartmouth. You know, I saw that interview with him, and, and he was talking about, there are a lot better players in the Ivy League than you think. And I know that for a fact because I had a kid that I used to coach who actually passed up the SEC and the ACC to play offensive tackle for Princeton. So there are good players in that conference. And Shane Cokes is certainly going to be a guy. He's very active and mobile. He, he's he's not going to be the, you know, push the line back with his brute force size, but he's a guy you can put at very, various different positions and, and really could provide a, more of an interior pass rush. He wants to wear his number zero like he did at Dartmouth, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Coach Prime has made that very clear. Yeah. And I remember when he said that, thinking to myself, what the heck, why would you say that? And I had forgotten that he played wore that number at Dartmouth. Yeah. All right, back to you. There's still a lot of talent on the board, and there's one guy I hope falls to me here for this next pick, so I'm curious to see uh, if you uh, take him. You're not going to give me any clues? Any... No, not one. <laughs> That's just rude. Um, it's getting more to the point of filling spots now at this point, and who's the best athlete on the board? I think I'm going to take what I think is the best running back on the board and Anthony Hankerson. He was the top running back on my board as well. You know, what's interesting here, William, and I, and I don't want to take the, the shine off your pick here of Hankerson. Do you know who averaged more yards per carry than Hankerson last year? On for CU? Yeah. Victor Van, maybe? Charlie Offerdahl. Charlie Offerdahl. <laughs> well, I know what everybody will say about that on the board, but, uh, uh, that, that's no, fun. people people are behind Charlie Offerdahl. Yeah, Coach Prime has accepted them. It's time to get on board, man. Get on the Offerdahl train. Get on it. We should get T-shirts made and make he could make an NIL uh, Here, out of it. Here's the thing: everybody wants that story, loves that story, but everything was jaded last year. Right. You had Jack Hystera with Andrew Rounds and and being too much of a focal point in the offense, and Jack Hystera, yeah. like Charlie Offerdahl is a good player, but you had two walk-ons with big roles on the team and you're losing games by wide margins. So you're going to have a hard time and you're going to take it out in certain areas that maybe don't deserve it. That's, that's my opinion. And and I, I think that people have the expectation and for the most part, it's probably true that if you're a walk-on, you can't be as as talented a player as people that got scholarships, but you know what guys get missed and there's guys in the NFL that started out as walk-ons and you can't account for the size of somebody's heart. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, Charlie offered was a damn good high school player. So, you know, is he really at the, uh, a player at this level? Well, I guess we'll find out, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, but I, anyways, I, but you, but you picked Anthony Hankers. <laughs> I know. Right. And everyone would see what you Sorry. did to be there. <laughs> I, I, I like I like what I saw from from Hankerson last year uh, in terms of uh, he's not a guy that gets knocked down on the first hit. And he, he's got a variety of, of spin moves and uh, has a nice little ability to make people miss and get that extra yard. He's a hard working back. He's got more speed, I think, than people think. So uh, I like him in, as my one running back. Plus, I think he's pretty still in the right game. So breaking news on the podcast, just got an email that the spring game is sold out at CU. Wow. And Chris Fowler is going to be calling the game on ESPN. Oh, my goodness. Times have changed. You can buy parking in advance. There's a link. If you go to cubuffs.com or buffstampede.com, you'll find that link if you look hard enough. And, uh, yeah, so uh, this is really happening. 
Crazy times. It's We're back up. to me because you just took Hankerson. I'm going to go with Jeremiah Brown on my edge. Somebody that uh, was budding in Jackson State system, transfers over. And since you already took Jordan Dominic, I think the clear number one at the edge group, I'm going to go with who I think is number two. There's, a, there's another talented guy in this group, but I, I think Jeremiah, based on his history with right. Coach staff has got the upper hand as far as that goes. Yeah, and I and I think it, it it was it was instructional to me to watch that first day of practices. He had a couple reps against uh uh tank and Sonseri was actually there coaching both the edge and the defensive line guys in the pass rush and, and Sonseri kept telling him you got to get him out of the box you got to get him out of the box and what he meant by that was uh if you're a guy if you're if you're Jeremiah Brown your game on pass rushing is speed. Okay, you have got to beat a guy like like um, Christian Lichtenhan um, with your speed and get him to move, come to you. In in those reps, he took his first step and then he would go right towards uh, Lichtenhan, which is playing into playing into Lichtenhan's uh, game. You know, you got to stay away from that guy, keep his hands off you, and and draw him out. He's got the speed to do that. He's got to learn to do that. And the other thing that's a little bit hard sometimes for those guys on, on the edge is to trust his speed and ability. Um, because if he, you know, sometimes they think, well, if I, if my first three steps are straight up the field, I'm not making any progress. Well, that's not the case. You got to use that athleticism and speed. And I think, you know, a spring and summer with uh, Williams and, and, and Sanceri are going to help him tremendously in his pass rush game. He, he has talked a little bit about wanting to be a stand up outside linebacker type pass rusher. And it'll be interesting to see how they actually use him on this defense. All right, back to you, William. All right, I am going to go with my next pick. I'm going to get one of my cornerback spots filled with Kendrick Breedlove. He was the next corner on my list as well. Somebody that uh, almost started in the SEC at Ole Miss last year, had a hand injury that kept him out for much of the season, and uh, is part of why you have that luxury of having Travis Hunter focus on receiver all spring, right? Right, exactly, because he's another one of those guys, and there's several of them that have come in um, playing in the defensive backfield there. That uh, you know, like you said, uh, he got a lot, got a lot of uh, experience playing in the SEC against really top wide receivers, and so uh, he's a guy that I think you can trust to stick in there uh, opposite of Nico Reed and, and kind of hold that down. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how well, how much, and how well he develops um, between now and fall. Uh, to whether we can really keep uh, um, Hunter on offense or whether we really need him over on the defensive side. And I, I also think it's also interesting too, that I think people, and I get, it, I guess I get it. Um, people assume um, that Cormani McLean is automatically going to be a starter. Not always the case. Um, and if you've got a guy that's got some experience at this level um, who can provide similar skills, sometimes that experience makes a big difference. I'm going to stick in the defensive backfield for my next pick and go with Trevor Woods at safety. Another guy that it would be a surprising development if he's not welcomed back with open arms because uh, he was, in my opinion, their most consistent defensive player last season. Yeah. Now the, the bar was set pretty low as far as that goes, right. but he, like I was talking earlier about cornerback being the least of their issues Trevor Woods at safety was uh, a part of that discussion as far as not being part of the issue as well for them last year. 
Right. And I thought, uh, uh, you know, one of the things I mentioned on the board today is that, you know, one of the little knocks about him is he, he, he plays with such reckless abandon and he gets a little nicked up. And so I worry about his, his uh, health. Um, but hopefully another summer in the strength program will fill him out a little bit and uh, uh, help him avoid some of that. He's out there this spring. So I was, that was one of the first guys I was looking for to make, to make sure he was out there. Yeah. From uh injury standpoint. Yep. Yeah. So watch, you know, and, and I love the way he plays. I love that sort of physical, crazy uh, safety play. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, it's a little, it, 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 I've seen it over the years be actually very intimidating to offensive players that don't want to come over the middle and get whacked by a guy like that. So it kind of pays off in a variety of different ways. All right, back um, to you. So let's see. I'm just looking at uh, only position I don't have represented yet. Um, I got to start filling some of these spots. So uh, I'm going to go to inside linebacker. And I kind of have to, I guess there's nobody left except people that were here last year. And I'm going to go with who I think has the most potential here in Aubrey Smith. Okay. We talked a little bit about this earlier this winter, but he was uh, standing out enough when they made the coaching change last year that they created kind of a, a, a position for Aubrey Smith to try to get him on the field more. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this new staff uses him going forward. Is there anything with him that, you know, in particular that made him stand out? Well, I just like his the combination of his size and, and uh, athleticism. You know, he seems to have good instincts at inside linebacker. I think everybody pretty pretty much figures that Levante Bentley and Des Moines Kennedy are going to be the starting inside backers. Um, but we kind of need to develop some depth, obviously, behind those guys. And so um, I'm not, you know, I don't know if all of these guys that are returners are going to be here in summer, but we'll see. I think Aubrey Smith is certainly going to be one of them. You have Miles Slusher at safety. I just drafted Trevor Woods. And with my next pick, I'm going to fill up my safeties group with Cameron Silman Craig, who is a very confident young man and was one of the defensive guys that really stood out when I went in to be able to watch practice before spring break. He created a turnover during team period. So I like my safeties with Trevor Woods and Cameron Silman Craig back there. Yeah, that's not a bad that's not a bad combination at all. And quite frankly, I think that there's um, I think there's some really op- real options back there at safety. Um, and uh, I would you know I'd go so far as to say at this point I, we don't know what I, I assume Shiloh will be here uh, Shiloh Sanders, but uh, you know there there's four or five maybe six guys back there that could actually play. Um, so a lot of options I think. And if people get hurt, we don't have to drop off to uh, uh, you know. Uh, third or fourth string level guy. Um, so that's a real positive. All right, back to you. I'm going to close out my cornerbacks and take Tavion Beasley. Tavion Beasley, okay. Transfer from Jackson State. Had quite a few options coming out of St. John Bosco in California and graded out really well in his time at Jackson State when he got on the field last year comes over to Colorado and uh, again that competitive spirit you see from a guy that he knows that coach prime's going to bring in top talent and and obviously he did with Cormani McLean so uh I, I like that competitive spirit that he shows right and you know something to prove as well I think all those guys coming from Jackson State want to show that they can play at this level you know because there's you know there's been plenty of things said along those lines and I think that uh 
uh, he's certainly a guy who is going to be in the mix of cornerback um, and uh, help us at that position for sure. I'm going to draft a defense alignment next, and I'm going to go with the transfer in Leonard Payne Jr. from Fresno State. He definitely looked the part when I was out of practice. And what we heard out of Fresno State was that when he was healthy, he was a really good player. I don't know if he's going to be the guy that is jumping off the box score, but I think that Leonard Payne Jr. is going to be a guy that's part of that defensive line rotation this upcoming season. Yeah, and I think at 6'3", 310, he gives you some real serious beef up up in the middle there, and he's got a lot of experience playing really good ball. You know, he he had his best game of the season last year in that bowl game against Washington State. And, uh, uh, again, you know, the year before that, he was really one of the top uh, defensive linemen in their conference, but then struggled last year with some injuries that kind of kept him out of some games or whatever. But, yeah, when he's healthy, I think he is uh, really – excellent defensive lineman. Um, I, I still think we'd, I'd like to bring us in, you know, I don't, you know they're not easy to find. They're kind of like unicorns, but I, I wouldn't mind a bit um, having us bring in a guy that we think is a starter, but, but I wouldn't feel bad about Leonard Payne at, at that position either, which segues directly into me. And I'll take Naeem Rodman, who I feel very similar about who's played uh, defensive line quite a bit the last couple of years at the Pac-12 level. And again, like you said, may not jump off the uh, box score, you know, with big stats, but he doesn't get pushed around and he holds his own and he takes up blockers and and that frees up linebackers. Um, and he's uh, going to be an upperclassman finally and all that playing experience. And hopefully Salson Siri helps him step up to, to another level of his game. All right, I'm going to go with Isaiah Jada for my offensive line, somebody that's running second string right now that uh, I think right now, I don't know, he could be a swing guy for me. I could use him at tackle or guard. I've got Van Wells at center, Sabian Washington at tackle. Not quite sure. I, I don't have the offensive line acumen as you, William. Uh, he's a guy that I think is going to be seen action this year, but probably not as a starter. Well, I think he's he's a guy that I look at. Uh, uh, he's going to be in the mix for sure, and he's going to play a lot. And he's, you know, I go back to 2016 when we had two guys who came off the bench that really saved our bacon late in the season. Um, and Jada is one of those guys who, again, could pl- probably play all five spots on the line. Um, but I, I re- remember thinking the first time I watched his film that he's raw and he needs work. And so that obviously is showing at this point. Um, I, uh, you know, and, and they, they moved Wilty inside. Wilty played, uh, le- played left tackle in a Juco level as well. Um, so it's easier to adjust to the guard spot with uh, Jada out of tackle. You've really got to find fine tune and polish those guys. Um, so where will he end up? Will he be a guard? Will he be a, a tackle? I would not be a bit surprised if O'Boyle isn't trying to groom him to be sort of Back back in the day, the Broncos had a guy named Glenn Lumpy Hyde, who was sort of their he was their their util they called him a utility lineman, like a utility outfielder, and he played all five spots for him, you know, and they didn't have to have an extra uh, body at that spot. And I wouldn't be surprised a bit if Jada isn't that guy, you know, who could you plug him in for a couple of plays here if a guy needs a break or he's got a nick or whatever. Uh, but uh, I'm not any lower in my excitement about Jada. I just think that the that the 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 guys in front of him right now look really darn good. All right, back to you. And I'm gonna 
close out uh, my edge position with a guy I really like, uh, Taylor Upshaw, transfer in from Michigan. Um, and, you know, again, he, you know, he's, he's a guy that comes from a program that's been to the playoffs and, 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 it, you know, they expect to be great. And he brings that leadership ability and he wants to prove something and see if he can't get drafted or get a shot in the NFL. So he's really got something to prove. He's not the, the pass rush kind of guy per se, like Jordan Dominic, but Taylor up, I, I, I liken him. Don't everybody go crazy about this, okay, and, and say bad things to me. But he's kind of the the um, Canavis McGee to Jordan Dominic's Alfred Williams. One's clearly a pass rusher, and the other one is very stout and can stop the run and can also help you in the pass rush and makes a, a fantastic bookend. Um, so I like Taylor Upshaw a lot, and he he's a guy you can put his hand on the ground or you can stand him up. Um, and can really give you a lot of things, but he's played a lot of football against really good teams, and that is worth something. I'm going to add Yusef Muharbil from Florida. I probably just absolutely butchered his last name. I have not had a chance to talk to him yet or get the pronunciation on his name. I even tried to do a Google search, but no, to no avail. Uh, so there's got to be a better way to say his last name, but uh, he is another big guy. I mentioned that Brown, Washington, Wilty, Christian Lichtenham were just hanging out together. And it's like, holy moly. And Yusef, part of that group, and Isaiah Jada, that, that was adding to the kind of that, that thought of this just looks different out there right now. And he's a guy that uh, we heard through sources from Clint Brewster, who works for 24-7 Sports, that they expect good things out of him. He's, he's practicing a guard right now for the Buffs. Yeah, and I've seen him out there and, and uh, kind of kept an eye out for him during the summer. One thing, he, he's, he's one of those guys that's kind of jumped out to me um, over the course of the winter workouts and the, and the first week of spring practice. Um, certainly a very highly rated and, and uh, a guy and came from Florida. He needs to change his body. He really does. He needs to cut off some of that weight. And, uh, uh, um, and, you know, I think we've seen a little bit where he's struggling, I think maybe with the altitude, but I, I'm not too worried about it. Cause you know, he was injured and that kind of held him out for a year. Uh, he got hit by a semi. It's not like he he's fragile or anything. Um, but he certainly has the ability to be a very special player at this level. I don't know that he'll be ready this year. He's going to have to really work hard um, in the summer to get into that mix on the offensive line. But I like him um, really as a as a, a pipeline piece moving on. You know, after we lose some of these guys. Just to clarify, he wasn't trying to take on the semi. Oh, he was. No. <laughs> He was on a scooter. I shouldn't laugh about it, but we know he's okay now and he's playing football. Otherwise we would not be laughing about it, but yeah, his freshman year at Florida, he got banged up pretty good. He couldn't practice until December of that year. So uh, pretty pretty miraculous recovery. I'm actually, I can't wait to write that story because I got to hear the details on that whole scenario. And hopefully, no, Uh, again, I'm not trying to make light of this, but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just for anybody that doesn't know that backstory, they heard, they heard you say he took on a semi and uh, didn't right. quite know the context like, of that. Hey, what was this guy's problem? Is he stupid? <laughs> um, and I'm going to, I'm going to take a, uh, we're, we're getting down, we're, we're running out of offensive linemen. So I'm going to take one of my favorites in Travis Gray, who I don't think will be ready to start this year, but let me tell you something, this kid's going to be special before all said and done. 
he's got a great personality. You and I went out to see him the first yeah. game of his senior year of high school. And uh, yeah, he definitely, it, it's a work in progress with him, but if you're going to try to, to mold clay, you, you got a whole lot of clay there to try to right. mold because yeah. he's, well, he's a man amongst boys. He, he's another one of those guys. He's listed the same size as those other diet, as those other dudes, but he's just bigger than they are. You know, yeah. I remember seeing him at that, at that high school game and thinking, Holy crap, that's a big kid. But he's very mobile and got a great work ethic and a great attitude. And, and I think he's going to be something special. Will it be this year? Could be. I don't know. You know, I love having Bill O'Boyle here working with those guys. One thing is he's improving their technique. Um, but uh, uh, I really like Travis Gray as, as a future. Uh, again, like like I'm going to try it. Mooger Bill. But uh, he's another one that I think th- those two guys give us a very bright future up front. All right. Back to me, right? You took Travis Gray. I'm going to, gosh, going into this draft, William, I wouldn't have predicted that I would finish out my offensive line before you, but uh, I'm going to do it. I'm going Jake Wiley. That allows me to put him at left tackle and uh, save, save your jokes. We don't need to hear them because we're, we're all about love on this podcast here. Hey, I, uh, I, 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 you know what? I have always <laughs> been a big fan and, and big supporter of Jake Wiley and, you know, uh, he's another kid that got the short end of the deal in terms of the coaching, or I, I, I hesitate to even say coaching for a couple of years. Um, but there's no position in football, maybe cornerback comes close, that requires technique more than offensive tackle, and he hasn't had anybody there to teach it to him. So um, I think Jake Wiley is still a guy uh, who has a lot to offer. Um, and I don't think his days playing for CU are done and he's got a good, good work ethic and you never give up on a guy like that. Said even better than the guy that just drafted him. Appreciate yeah. that. I'm going to probably put him at left tackle, Savion Washington, right tackle. I'm going to go Van Wells, obviously center. I'm going to go Yusef. I'm not even going to try your last name. Once again, I've already butchered it. He's going to be my left guard. And then I'm going to go Isaiah Jada, right guard. And it's right. back to you for your next pick. Let me close out my defensive line with Tyus Martin. Okay. And 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 um, I actually saw. Uh, I'm trying to remember. He actually in that first full padded practice uh, had a very nice rep uh, on pass rush, and I can't remember who the offensive guard was, um, but showed some really nice things. And um, uh, uh, Salson Siri had some choice things to say to both of them which uh, you know probably their moms didn't appreciate too much <laughs> but uh i really appreciate uh, uh tyus martin he's really got that that nose guard body and and is is more athletic than people think and i think he'll be somebody that develops into a player and i he i certainly expect him to be in the mix of getting playing time next fall yeah no doubt in he got to work through some stuff last year, getting on the field. Remember in that Oregon state game, he had two personal foul late hit penalties. And I think for a young defensive lineman, you've got to have a a player too like that. You wouldn't like them in the same game, but you don't get to hit the quarterback in practice. And this is a guy that had to learn how to walk again. And he's just so free because of that back surgery that he had. That's why he had to learn to walk again. But, Talk about a guy that just wants to get out there and hit somebody right. and it's a game day and he wants to impress somebody. And that was kind of a slap across the cheek of, Hey, you got to dial it back a little bit here. Well, and I, and I think, you know, uh, 
Coach Prime got a lot of grief from certain people, not me, about his, you know, what they look for at each position. And I think what he what 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 he was getting at with the defensive line is you got to have you got to have an aggressiveness, you got to have a hunger, you got to have a desire to play the defensive line because you know in a certain sense you put your hand on the ground, you turn it loose, and you go nuts, man. You know, um, whereas on the offensive line, you've got to be very controlled and technique and what have you. And a defensive lineman, you know, you want guys that can tear through walls. Um, and I think Tyus Martin is that I, I, I am, I, I'm hard pressed to think of anybody on this team who would be a better feel good story if he became, you know, if he ended up playing in the NFL or something than a kid who, who literally was not able to walk his senior year of high school after back surgery and, and to see him uh, turn that into something big, that, that would be a great story. No doubt. I've gotten to know Tyus a little bit. And when he had those penalties in the Oregon state game in the press area, again, I was kind of, kind of talking about how I might have to suppress some excitement. If Montana Lamonius Craig has a big play, Tyus Martin had me kind of holding back like the father vibe of come on Tyus, you can't do it. I wanted to go into coach mode up in the press box because yeah. I do care about that young man a lot. And I want him to see do yeah. him do well to, to your point there of him potentially being a great story. If he can stick around here. Right. All right. We've reached that point where we are filling in gaps. So we don't have to be as uh, what's the word strategic uh, right. as we were earlier. So I'm going to fill in my running back slot here first in sticking with a, a speed theme that we had earlier. I'm going to go Dylan Edwards as my running back. And uh, this is going to be a, a pass happy spring game for the gold squad with Shador Sanders behind center and Jimmy Horn and Montana at receiver. So Dylan Edwards is going to be another piece to that, uh, that ability to try to get the, the ball to guys in space and have them make some plays in the passing game. Yeah. And I think he's another guy that you have to find ways to use him aside from just traditionally lining him up in that line for running back position. You need to get the ball into his hands at full speed, you know, in full stride, whether that's out in the flats or whether that's, you know, going up field, what have you. Uh, he, he's a guy who can make defensive pay. Uh, again, if they're back and if they're backing off to try to uh, watch the speed, he's another one that can really hurt them. So uh, he's a guy I'm looking forward to seeing him develop. All right, back to you. And I'm going to have to go back. I'm going to have to start uh, filling in this wide receiver. So um, uh, we don't have a lot of guys available with Jordan Tyson now. Yeah. um, So I'm going to go with Grant Page, who I think has a a bright future at wide receiver to fill one of those spots. All right. Yeah, this is definitely the time of the draft where you stop and pause a little bit. Yeah, and I've got I've got a lot of sleeper picks that are going to be coming down the pike here, because that's kind of the the stage of the draft we're at. Yeah, I do need another receiver. It's between. Well, all you, all you got is is Ty Robinson, and Chase Soul, right? Or let's see, I don't oh, even Chase Soul's back practicing yet. So it's Ty Robinson, or you know what? I'm going to throw a curveball in here. I'm going to take a, a freshman walk on. Early enrollee, William. You ready for this? Okay. Caleb Mathis. He's made some plays both on film and the practice I was at. That is, yeah, this isn't going to be like an All-American, but he's actually going to have a role at slot receiver. Obviously, his father is 
Kevin Mathis, the cornerbacks coach, but uh, Caleb Mathis has got some game and uh, I want him on my squad because I've got Jimmy Horn and Lamonius Craig. I think Kevin Mathis coming out of that slot position is where to go here. Uh, you got, you no, got. no offense to Ty Robinson. I enjoyed uh, covering your high school career, but uh, I'm going to have some fun with it here. And who else we got? Uh, well, I could take I, I could take Chernet Estes. I don't know who that is, but he's got a cool name. <laughs> don't, don't do that to Ty Robinson. No, I'll take Ty Robinson as my third receiver. Okay. I just saw that kid's name, Chernet Estes. I hadn't seen that before. Ty, Ty got on the field back in uh, 2021 and made a few plays. We just we haven't heard a whole lot about him, to be honest with you. Yeah, he's kind of kind of faded into the background. So it'd be interesting to see if he can do enough. Quite frankly, we, you know, with with six guys coming in this summer, one, two, three, four, five, six, it will he do enough this spring, frankly, to stick around? I don't know. You know, hard to say. And I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball here, just because I I I I I really love his potential and his size. And I'm going to take Dylan Dixon. I don't even think that's a curveball. He he was high on my list as well. Yeah. It just again kind of gets overshadowed by those transfers, you know, that right. they brought in. Yeah, and no no knock on Tyron Taylor, but I wonder about his size a little bit. Um, and certainly, I don't wonder about Dylan's size. Gosh, I'm going to do a bunch of curveballs here at the end. Okay, so one of the things Coach Prime said is that the spring game being on ESPN is not only great for exposure for the program for recruiting purposes, for just giving the guys that are top-level guys in their program that exposure, but also some guys that are about to hit the portal to audition for their next school. And, gosh, this is going to come off really bad because I'm going to throw his name out there now because he isn't in the portal right now. <laughs> I kind of set, I kind of set myself up for this, but I, I'm, I'm not going to even edit that out. William, I'm going Nigel Bethel at corner for my other corner spot, because he is a senior. He's one of the few scholarship seniors on this entire roster, especially when you look at guys that are returning seniors on scholarship, you've got Dion Smith, you've got Jalen Sami, Naeem Rodman, in Nigel Bethel. So he has a yeah. sense of urgency. He wants to show out this spring game. So give me Nigel Bethel Jr. at cornerback, a guy that was starting to kind of hit his stride in Colorado's program as a transfer from Miami. And then he suffered a torn ACL and he was on a pitch count last year in practice and just yeah. never getting back in the mix yeah. Been out there this spring. So he's a guy that I thought about Joshua Wiggins. His brother played for these coaches at Jackson State, and he had a big spring game last year. But uh, I just I feel good about drafting experience at that spot. Yeah, and I don't think that's too much of a curveball. He's been around for a long time and played a lot of ball, and just you know had some injury issues and what have you. You know, started at Miami um, and came here, so I don't think that's too too really far out there at all. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna fill out my inside linebackers, and quite frankly, this is a little harder. Th- pick than I thought it would be. I'm going to take Owen Carey. It's a good pick. Uh, yeah. And and I like him a lot, but I got to tell you, I like him a lot with Aubrey Smith and as our future inside linebackers, but you know, victory Johnson and Morgan Pearson. I like those two yeah. guys a lot in early entry freshmen. 
Victory Johnson's a huge kid for a linebacker and Morgan Pearson can run. So, you know, it wasn't as, it wasn't automatic. I, I as much as I like Owen Carey, um, I like some of those young guys coming back um, and, and incoming at that inside linebacker spot. I know you've been high on Victory Johnson for quite a while now. I'm going to be honest. I watched his film and I, I I liked it, but didn't love it. And then I went out to that spring practice and I saw his frame and I start, started watching him move around and just seeing his mannerisms, how he interacts with guys. He's got a ton of confidence and he moves around really well. I don't know what his role is going to be in 2023, but I uh, I 100% think that he's going to be a big part of this program. I don't think he's going to get drafted here, Victory Johnson, but uh, yeah, no, I like him a lot. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, th- I like both of those young guys. And, um, you know, his frame at 6'4", 230, he could play inside or outside. He could put a hand on the ground um, and do a lot of different things for you. That, that, there's a lot of uh, uh, guys on this team right now who do a lot of different things, and that that's not a bad thing at all. I so, need a tight end, and you might say, well, Adam, are you going to take Caleb Fourier or Eric Olson? And my response is I'm going to take neither of those guys. I'm going back to the curveball. I waved off the fastball from the catcher, and I'm going with Austin Smith. He I knew you were going to think that. A guy that fits this offense, still learning how to play tight end at this level. It's still a new position for him. He was a receiver at a small high school in Texas, but he's ingrained himself with this new staff, and his personality is second to none. And uh, there's so many guys that you're rooting for on this team, just from a human standpoint. And Austin Smith is a guy that I want to see make a big catch on April 22nd. And I'm going to welcome yeah. him to my squad. Yeah, that'd be fun. He's, he's very athletic. Uh, and, you know, like take it for what it's worth, but the last staff, you know, really, really talked a lot about how good he looked and such, you know, they didn't know how to use a dang tight end, but that's nothing new at CU. But uh, I, I think that uh, he's got the kind of, um, skills that fit this offense very nicely. All right. We're getting down to the nitty gritty here. You need a quarterback. You need a offense alignment. That's it. I think I just need those two spots. I'm, I'm, I'm going to trust our, our former offensive line coach, Kyle Devan and take Luke Eckhart because he, he several times last year said that he was looking really good in practice and he's a big kid. Okay. I think um, Alex Harkey is another name in there, but yeah, you get yeah, past that, that, that initial six or seven at offensive lineman. And that, right. that's the point you do bring in Landon Bebe again, another guy that I need to right. pronunciation. Be- be- baby. Let's just go with baby. And <laughs> why, why do I keep saying Bebe? I don't know what not, unless he's French. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mr. Bebe, bring me a, uh, <laughs> It's, it's wish it's wishful thinking is what it is. I want him to be Landon Babe, but he's Bebe. Landon BB, I'm sure. Yeah. But you know, I watching some of the first week of practice, watching Jackson Anderson at center, uh, which um is interesting. We'll see if that works out for him. You know, the guy who needs to really show something, I think, um, this spring is Alex Harkey, who's a junior, you know, yeah. and I don't know, I don't know if they're gonna uh keep looking to the to the portal it wouldn't surprise me if they took another offensive lineman i i think if they take another offensive lineman it's, it, it should not be just another guy kind of guy although um 
I'm not sure if there'll be anybody coming on into the portal the second time around that's better than our starters. Um, but if we got somebody of that level, you know, and really have depth, but I think Alex Harkey really needs to show something to stick around for, for uh, summer and fall. And then, you know, Jackson Anderson's still pretty young, but actually seeing him at center, um, I don't know he, he, if he's got the athleticism to play at this level or not, but we'll see. And then Carter Edwards is another one. That I, I, not, by not mentioning Carter Edwards, I don't want to say to anybody that I don't think he's got, got a bright, bright future because I still think he does at guard and, you know, still got four years left to develop that. All right, back to me. I'm just going to start filling in the gaps here since it doesn't really matter the order we go. And I'm going to go with Marvin Hammett, linebacker. Physically, he looks pretty good out there. You know, I, yeah. I can't have a solid assessment on him, and he's a guy that uh, has was highly regarded coming out of high school, flipped from Boston College in that Mel Tucker recruiting class, and came in and had to put on some weight and was thrown out there and, and struggled at first, got a little bit yeah. better. I still don't quite know what his ceiling is. Uh, we've seen his floor already out there, but he looks physically good out there, so – Linebacker, like you said, front seven, they need to probably still address right. through the, the transfer portal. I don't know what Marvin Ham's role is come September, but for April 22nd, uh, given that you've already got Aubrey Smith, Owen Carey, I've already got Vonta Bentley, that's the next guy right. off the board for me. Yeah, and I think Ham is another one of those guys that needs to show something this spring. He's the guy every year. You just kind of wait for that light to come on, and you know maybe he just doesn't have the instincts. You know, uh, some guys, some guys at inside linebacker can never sort it out. You know, um, uh, I don't know if he's that guy or not, but uh, he's the one every year you expect something from, and and hasn't shown it yet. So hopefully, maybe this will be the year that 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 happens. So since you drafted the second and third picks, I still have two picks left, but it goes back to you. To take your quarterback, who are you going to take for that spot? I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick the winning quarterback for this spring draft, Ryan Staub. The winning quarterback. Okay, I like the confidence, and I like the fact that Ryan Staub came in and is making quick decisions. They might not always be the right decisions because you couldn't expect a freshman coming in out of high school when he should be going into senior prom instead of calling right. a Sean Lewis offense and spring ball to, to perfectly execute it. But I don't know if you saw this. It was on one of the social media channels that Coach Prime endorses where Sean Lewis gave the quarterbacks in the room a puzzle that they had to solve really quick. And Ryan Staub had that thing built while the other guys were still reading the, the instructions. So... <laughs> How does that translate to the football field? I don't know other than this is a guy that can read and react quickly. Right. And I think, and I think the point of that exercise is, you know, to have, to see who can look at a complicated circumstance and sort it out and figure it out. And, and, you know, one of the things we've seen for years at, at the quarterback position in Colorado is we've had guys with arm strength, but they just, they, they can't figure out a defense. They can't read a defense. They can't find the open guy. They don't understand the offense well enough to understand who's going to, well, okay, let's be honest and say sometimes our offense didn't have any guys coming open because it wasn't designed worth a damn. But, you know, the, the point of that whole thing is to take a complicated a situation and be able to diagnose it and put it together. Um, and so, you know, I think we've seen enough so far from stop to feel 
relatively confident. I'd like to get a guy in, but you know, that's not an easy spot to fill with a guy who knows that, you know, we got a starter for the next two years. So we'll see. Um, but I like what I've seen from Ryan Staub so far. And, and, and uh, based on how this offense works, it's not a complicated quarterback offense and there's a lot of options and they happen fast. So, you know, being able to, one of the things about a quarterback is if they get bashed up a little bit or they don't have the confidence to begin with, they won't make that throw, you know, and sometimes you'd rather have them make a throw than, than not do anything and, and look like a deer in the headlights. So I think there's some potential there for Ryan Staub um, uh, and like what I've seen so far. So I'm going to round it out here with my last two picks and on the edge, there's some different bodies to choose from but the transfers are all off the board. So I'm going to go with Devin Grant, a guy that has played some at CU and has made some plays and especially late in the 2021 season against Utah was one of their best defensive players. So uh, that's a guy that I'm going to take off the board there on the defensive line. I got to look over my options here. Aaron Austin is going to be my last pick here. Guy that played on special teams as a true freshman last year. And I, I, I did have my, Binoculars zoomed in on him a few times because anytime there's a, a lineman, whether it's defense, or, well, you, you really never see an offensive lineman on kickoff coverage, but it's very right. rare that you can see a defense alignment. And that was his big role last year was being on kickoff coverage. So I would kind of just, I was waiting for that collision to where just bodies started flying. And there were a couple of occasions where it happened with the blockers, but not the ball carrier. So uh, that that's what sticks in my mind as I kind of look at my options here that they're at the end on the defensive line. So we'll see if Aaron Austin has a role on the defensive line going forward. William, I'm going to recap your team here real quick. Quarterback, Ryan Staub, running back, Anthony Hankerson, receivers, Travis Hunter, Grant Page, Ty Robinson, tight end, Sedu Treor. Your offensive line is going to be Jared Christian, Lichtenhan, Tyler Brown, Jack Wilty, Travis Gray, Luke Eckhart, defensive line is Jalen Sami, Naeem Rodman, Tyus Martin. Your edge group is Jordan Dominic, Taylor Upshaw. You clearly got the best group there. Linebacker, Aubrey Smith, Owen Carey. Cornerbacks, Drake Breedlove and Tavion Beasley. Probably got the edge there as well. And at safety, Miles Slusher and Dylan Dixon. For Adam, the gold squad is comprised of quarterback Shador Sanders running back Dylan Edwards, receivers Jimmy Horn, Montana Lamonius Craig, Caleb Mathis, one of the real <laughs> the real curveballs thrown in this draft. At tight end, Austin Smith. Offensive line is going to be Van Wells, Savion Washington, Isaiah Jada, Yusef M. In the military, they used to say, come up with a name like that, and they'd say, hey, Alphabet, stand up. <laughs> I would have definitely gotten that with Munster Tiger had I been in the military. Yeah. And then D-line for me is Leonard Payne Jr., Shane Cokes, Aaron Austin, Edge Group, Jeremiah Brown, Devin Grant, linebacker Vonta Bentley, Marvin Ham, cornerback Nico Reed, and <clears throat> Nigel Bethel Jr., and safety Trevor Woods, Cameron, Silman, Craig. How do you think the fans are going to vote here? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, I have to kind of look at them and see the whole thing. I like my offensive line and, and my front seven. Yeah. And, and this actually there, you know, one, one thing that, that uh, comes to me as, as, as a result of this exercise, we got a lot of, we got some, we got some 
bodies at safety and cornerback and they're not stiffs. We got some guys. Yeah. No doubt. I think we both did okay in our secondaries. Well, William, that was a fun yet semi-exhausting experience. I mean, we really went in depth there as we went along that. Uh, We got to get you back on the podcast before the spring game. And maybe we'll talk about based on the next you know, two and a half weeks leading up to the spring game where we would maybe change our thoughts with some of these guys that were mover and shakers yeah. dur- during the, the second half of spring ball. That would be fun. And uh, I got a bunch of questions. I threw it out to the Buff Stampede community right before we went to air and got some questions. And I, we've just gone so long with this draft. I feel like we should save these to where yeah. we've got the ability to really dive into them in the next episode. But uh I appreciate you for taking the time out. If you haven't seen it, William and I did a film room on Gage Ginther yesterday. That's up on buffstampede.com. The top ranked offensive line recruit to the top overall recruits in the 2024 class in Colorado. So uh, it's great to catch up with you, William. Thanks for taking some of your time off of work uh, here with us on the podcast. I appreciate it. Adam's always fun and uh, I always look forward to doing it and hear what people think. So I, I hope that people come out of this um this exercise with, with an increased uh confidence in our roster frankly because because i i feel that way i feel like there's we've got some more depth at some positions than i thought totally well that we got about what do we have we've got 10 more spring practices before that spring game it's going to be a busy stretch for me and uh i can't look i, I can't wait for it it feels like uh, almost like preparing for the season with coach prime at the helm so it's a whole different animal the spring game is going to feel like a regular game so it's exciting times around here and uh this was probably the most fun draft we've done on this podcast ever right a lot of fun for sure all right well thanks to all of you for tuning in